0: I'm Danita.
1: And hi, I'm David.
0: Catch our show, School Days, help for
1: moms and dads of school-aged kids. Look, we've been married for 14 years and have three school-aged children. We both work in the field of education We have the same struggles helping our kids academically just like any other parent.
0: So we want to share what we've learned and invite experts to share with us so we can all learn together. Join us Tuesdays from 11 to noon in the Blue Bowl.
1: On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in.
0: Hello, welcome to School Days, to help for moms and dads of school age kids. I'm Danita Bailey.
1: And I'm David Bailey.
0: So, what do Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs, Walt Disney, and Oprah Winfrey have in common?
1: Oh, you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> They're all rich.
0: They are all rich. That's not the answer.
1: But they are all rich.
0: Okay, but that's not the answer.
1: do you want another guess they have failed
0: (gasps) very good yes they are all great failures and they're great at failing so as parents we want the best for our children and we hate to see them disappointed but failure is not a four-letter word in fact studies show that learning to deal with failure oh
1: actually it technically is what fail
0: failure is not a four-letter word oh but I said failure. Oh, you did? Yeah.
1: Oh, but fail is. Okay. Yeah. That's
0: why I said failure. Yeah, but fail is.
1: Anyway, keep going.
0: So I'll start over again. In fact, studies show that learning to deal with failure is vital to a child's development. If our kids, and even we parents, learn to handle it well, it can be a stepping stone to greater achievement and a successful future.
1: Most of us have heard of helicopter parents. Now we have bulldozer parents. These parents forged ahead before their child, removing all obstacles, and ensuring success at every turn. As you all know about the recent headlines of celebrities paying large sums of money to bribe their children's way into college are perfect examples of this.
0: So let's strive to not be those parents, and I'm including us in that because you and I have been guilty of helicoptering a time or two, right? Okay, well, I'll I'll own that. Just I have been guilty of helicoptering a time or two. You are forgiven. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, stick around (laughs) for tips to help your child well. So Dave, tell me about a time when you failed or even failed spectacularly.
1: Wow. Well, probably one of my biggest challenges I had was, as some of you know my story, I, um, coming out of high school, well, starting in eighth grade, I wanted to go to the U.S. Air Force Academy Uh, because i wanted to be a a pilot uh so i worked my way hard through school uh but then it was time to take the sats my junior year so i took the sats here we go once (laughs) twice three times wait but wait but wait there's more no oh wow you bring in some uh, commodores huh Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) uh (laughs) four i took the sats five times (coughs) in high school and i still didn't get the score i needed I was short by 10 points. 10 points.
0: 10
1: points. Mm. Yes. Uh, And so that led to me getting accepted into their preparatory school. Uh, And I went to the Air Force Academy prep school for a year. Ironically, while I was there, I got accepted on my ACT scores. So what I went there to take it for, I never got it. I got it on my ACT scores. And then I got there and... um, you know, I needed eyeglasses along the way, and I couldn't fly, and ended up uh, leaving, uh, even though I got accepted into the academy, which was, you know, that was, you know, I learned, I messed up, uh, I overcame, then I realized it wasn't for me, and then I, and then I left. Uh, I remember people thought when I came back that I was a failure for coming back. I'm like, no, it was my choice. I chose to come back, so, and I didn't pass my driver's license exam. I also missed that I failed that five times. five seems to be a Oh, my a gosh. Theme. Yeah, five is a theme of failure in my life.
0: That's a good thing to know about you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't parallel park to save my life. So, anyway, I've had a lot of failure. Uh, you don't want me flying your plane. Ugh. But I'm pretty good. Hey, thank God for cameras. I wish I had that backup camera. You know, I wish that would have made it easy back then if I'd had a backup camera when I was trying to parallel park. Yes, that would have yeah. been easy. Anyway, I've had a lot of failure in my life. Okay. How about you, babe?
0: Well, I was just going to share something. Have you ever heard of the apple product called apple newton message pro Mm -mm. or message pad actually
1: no say that fast
0: apple newton (laughs) 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 Message. it's the all the apple (coughs) newton message pad Mm -mm, i have not right no you haven't because most people have not heard of this this came out in 1993 it was one of the first pdas it was actually $1100 adjusted for inflation. Public
1: display public display of affection. <laughs> No. No? Oh.
0: Uh, what is it? Personal data assistant, okay. I think it was what it was. And anyway, it was a big flop, had low sales, lots of glitches, although they were super, super excited about it before it launched, and then it launched and it was a big wah. wah. But How, how'd that go? Wah, wah. Okay. But what it did was they learned, they you know, they they dusted themselves off and it was actually it paved the way for iPhones and iPads. But wow. it was a spectacular failure. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, we are excited about today's show, and we are talking about um, teaching your children to fail well. But before we go any further, let me just say that it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag School Days to show, and I am School Days. And also, we want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214 four three one five zero six two so who do we have with us today
1: so today we have Jorge Gamma Jorge is a licensed professional counselor and an honors graduate from Texas Wesleyan University he completed his undergraduate from the University of Texas Arlington in psychology and Spanish Jorge works with a range of emotional and behavioral issues providing services that span from therapy for depression and grief counseling to parenting support. Jorge M. Gamma, LPCS, uh, is Menning Clinic's clinical director and Restore Advanced Outpatient Program. Restore was built from Jorge's vision in 2015 when he noticed a gap in the mental health field for his clients who weren't dealing with substance abuse as their primary conflict, through empowering and growing each Restore participant, Jorge believes each success becomes a ripple that extends beyond Mending Clinic and the DFW Metroplex. So, thank you for coming, Jorge. Uh, we're very, very grateful. Jorge, uh, if you guys don't know, he's as uh, they've shared a lot of our guests we've had prior. Probably at least half of our episodes have come because <laughs> from Jorge. A number of them. Yeah, so what? now so now we go Jorge in the flesh here. So we're really, <laughs> yes, the mastermind behind School Days. And what else? Yes. Oh, we, we, <laughs> you, we, you don't gotta smack it. <laughs> and I'm trying to introduce the man. I'm trying to hype him up. Okay. And Jorge will be giving away one of these. Hit it, babe. Let's see, where is my camera? We're waiting here. Okay. Okay, we're on the clock here, babe.
0: Oh, this is good. Yes. He's also wearing it. I don't yeah. know where the camera is. Yes.
1: Uh, yes, it's on him right now. All right. Okay. Uh, so, the Men in Clinic shirts, at <laughs> uh, and it says, Restore Hope. To enter into the drawing, do one of the following. Share our Facebook Live of this show with the hashtags SchoolDazedShow and Restoring Hope in your post. Or... Tag two friends in a post on Facebook Live. You can find us at Facebook at Noggin Foundation.
0: All right. So we, wow, we ate up about 10 minutes there, Dave. (laughs) 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 So let's jump right in. So Jorge, tell us why this is such a passion of yours.
2: So, um, I've been in counseling 10 years now um, since I graduated and just looking at the pain and looking at the hurt that people go through um, and looking at trying to restore hope to people's lives. Um, you know, people can survive with depression, with anxiety. They can survive um, with so many other illnesses, medical illnesses. But once hope is gone, um, then it's very difficult to continue to live and to move forward.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just in researching for the show, I came across quite a lot of information. And so tell me why failure is critical in a child
2: for brain development. Yeah. So there's, without getting too, like, nerd out or geeky, there's um, words that we use. There's, you know, brain atrophy, which means some of the brain, you know, stems kind of – they they disintegrate and then there's plasticity. And so when, when you look at plasticity, you're looking at new patterns that are being created in our brain. And so when a kid fails, you know, from there failing safely and failing forward is very important because they start growing those neuronal networks to actually be able to succeed down the road.
0: And what do you mean by failing safely?
2: So, um, you know, just as little kids, you know, when they fall or they have a tantrum, you know, as parents, we really have to regulate ourselves. Because at the moment that a kid has a tantrum and we aren't able to regulate ourselves, Mm. now it's about us. And it's not about the kid. And it's not about Mm -hmm. helping the child really grow that ability, that resiliency to move forward from that failure.
0: Gotcha. And failing forward?
2: Yes. Is it the same thing? or That's the same thing. Oh, okay. That's exactly what failing, failing forward is. So yeah. it's a safety of failing, right? Mm-hmm. And so you guys had some awesome people on there um, that talked about how they failed. And, you know, I really believe that failing is the answer to success or, like, no is an- is the way to yes. Um, and really looking at moving, not giving up, building that resiliency, building that grit to get you where you want to get.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: So what shift in our culture has caused this lack of ability to handle failure?
2: That's a really good question. Um, So I I think there's a couple of things that I see. Um, You know, there's a term that you guys have probably heard failure to launch, Mm -mm. right? Um, And that term just never sat well with me One of it being that it was mainstream. And anytime I see something that's mainstream, that gets really catchy and gets caught on, I always kind of question it. Like, what's going on? Why why is it so popular? And what I would really encourage you to think about is, you know, there's really a failure to ignite. And here's what I mean by that. Mm. There's a failure to ignite passion, there's a failure to ignite resiliency, there's a failure to help kids really take on ownership on the things that they're doing. And so when that happens, they don't have the ability to really have foresight to move forward. And so that then becomes a ripple effect and starts affecting uh, just our society.
0: Mm. You know, one of the things I have observed as a little bit frustrating for me is that everybody gets a trophy now. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, if you won, you won and you got your award. But now like we just came from our our daughter's kindergarten um, uh, ceremony and yesterday was our second graders and everybody gets a participation certificate, which Mm -hmm. is nice. And I understand why they do it because they don't want anybody to feel left out. But that means that, you know, we're growing up in a society of kids that feel like if I show up. (laughs) Uh then i get to get something yeah i don't have to work my hardest necessarily and i you know i can mess around and i still am going to get my participation award right and i think that that's that's troublesome for um and and helps us not to be able to accept failure and accept no
2: in the future yeah what are your thoughts so think about what that does right so when when a kid when everybody gets a trophy everybody gets a certificate there's no desire there's no umph. there there's no reason why to put any to put forth any effort. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is we end up teaching our kids to be complacent. We t- we teach them to regress to the mean, right? I mean
1: mediocrity. We were- Mediocrity, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so, like, not to to bash the school system, but you know, it's designed around regressing to the mean. And so, what does that mean? You know, it means that even kids that are up high and kids that are that are you know below, they have to be in the middle. And so, they study that, and this is where they bring them to. And so, if we were able to maybe look at the ones that are a little bit more up here, then we can bring that mean up a little bit, which will then would challenge the kids. And really, what we want to do is help the kids internalize those victories right mm-hmm. so those failures um, they once they move forward and they move past it then they can internalize that victory
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree Um, I want to know what kind of shift in parenting style has impacted our kids ability because I, I know and I can tell from the grandparents reaction sometime to our parenting they did things a whole lot different I mean I just know when we were smaller I mean we would just leave we'd just be gone right <laughs> for the day <laughs> and just okay we'll come back when the light comes on mm-hmm. i never
1: heard that but i know you did didn't you N- not no, no no i've heard i've heard people say that i didn't have to oh the i thought i heard you say that no, no no but but
0: did your parents know where you were 24 7 no right. i was
1: out i was i'd be gone and i'd come <laughs> back when i came back and right you know and it was no it was no big deal
0: So how does – we don't do that now. I mean, I can't even imagine not knowing where my kids are for hours. (laughs) So how has that
2: impacted us? Well, um, you know, I think really looking at, like you said, the parenting styles, what has shifted – is I think there's a pretty profound competitive mindset that we have, right? We, look, we heard about keeping up with the Joneses. Um, and the interesting thing is is the more that I look at the parent structure with the kids, at first I kind of felt like, okay, so they're just wanting to be friends with their kids and they want to make sure that their kids mm. are okay. But really what we're looking at is this competition with parents. And it's almost like I'm going to out-service my kid, like, I'm going to out-service my kid however you're serving your kid. And so it's a competition with the parents, and we really have to look at the parents being able to take a step back and say, you know what, I'm going to be countercultural, and I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do what I feel is best for our kid. And I think that's where the shift has come in, where before we didn't do what was you know there's always peer pressure you know it's real but it seemed like parents didn't cave into that as much as they do now with facebook and with social media and everything's got to be up there everything you know if it doesn't happen on facebook then it's not real right and so that creates a standard for parents that are now competing with other parents and the way that they compete is to service their kids
0: Oh my gosh! So I had never even considered that. That's a very good point. I mean, back in the day, if you were helicoptering your kid, then it would be uh, frowned upon by other parents. So, but now you, it's it's you know, it's something that we need to do, and or th- that's expected at least. Uh-huh. And so we are competing with one another to be a better parent.
1: Yeah, yeah you know, that's I so crazy. I have noticed that. Uh, you know, when I, when I taught, you know, I, I, used, I taught two different types of classes. I taught the general ed classes, and I, tra- and I taught the pre-AP classes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, depending upon what district I was in, sometimes you had to test into the more rigorous courses, and sometimes you could just enroll your child in. Um, and I had, I had kids in pre-AP courses that had no business being in a pre-AP course, but it was the status. Right. Of my child is an all pre AP. Well, you know, because if it's, it seems like, you know, if you're not an all pre AP, then there's something, you know, that's not that's not yeah. cool or something. But like, I'm like, what's wrong with your kid, right. and then
2: that reflects what's wrong with you, right? Right. You know, but mm-hmm. it's like
1: yeah. you can't even it's multiply. Tough. Why, 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 <laughs> why are you in pre AP courses? Uh, you know. Then, then, but then at the same time, I had kids who were in, in not in pre AP courses that should have been in pre AP courses, right. uh, and I would encourage. Them and I encourage their, their parents as well. To then sometimes parents will say, "Oh, I don't know, you know." So just that that fear of, of I don't know if it, if the work is harder or more challenging, then I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it, right. you know. So it's, it's just an interesting phenomenon yeah. going on there. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you mentioned social media. How has that shift in our society um, impacted fear of failure and um, handling failure?
2: Yeah. So I think um, there. So social media so if we think about what social media is right social media is put on a filter put on a smile you know get the likes get the shares Mm -hmm. but it's it's empty and so if you think about our kids nowadays are spending six and eight and ten hours on social media which is an empty vessel it's only a matter of time before they internalize that emptiness Mm. and so that then starts breeding into everything of their life and we look at that Um, you know, inability to problem solve. We look at just feeling like they can't you know do anything you know they look at the life as doom and gloom because they've internalized all this and so that in itself creates some anxiety so what the research is saying is kids are having anxiety first signs of anxiety from about six years old and they're starting to get treated you know somewhere around 10 years old Ugh. and so we're talking about already four years of kiddos that have been struggling with anxiety that they haven't talked to anybody about and so with the parents continuously, con- you know, competing, then that can really put a lot of pressure on the kiddos. And a lot of times, um, what we see or uh, what we see is more is caught than taught, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. they catch the parents competing, and they catch the parents, you know, saying these things. You know, we know by the age of four, if a child is guilt-proned in their conversation or shame-proned, and the difference is, is that guilt-proned is, you know, I made a mistake. Shame prone is I am a mistake. Mm. And so we have to really be careful with that language that we use. And that's why I was saying fail safely helps to fail forward. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when they fail as little kids and they're having tantrums, we have to regulate ourselves because we are the parents. To then reflect and show our kids, hey, these are the things, that, this is how you regulate yourself to yeah. move forward. And that's a skill set that helps with success down the road.
0: Because, gosh, they want to be us. I mean, I watch Christina. She even wants to brush her teeth like I brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, literally that. So modeling for our kids is so important. And just they're paying attention even when we don't think that we're paying attention. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I came across this great documentary on Netflix called Take Your Pills. I think that's what it's called. Um, But anyway, it talks about how there's a trend with older students who are under so much pressure or putting pressure on themselves that they are taking ADHD medication that's not prescribed to them. So Mm -hmm. talk about what that's all about.
2: Yeah, that is a real thing. Um, You're looking at, you know, college and med school and they have to perform and they have to be up and they have to be awake. Um, And again, a lot of that are messages that they heard growing up. Um, Again, more is caught than taught, right? And so the parents saying certain things or acting in a certain way that you know, um, ends up creating, you know, this kid has a, has an interpretation of, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to do it, no matter what. And so again, looking at, you know, um, a kid when he's in school and he's developing, it's really focusing on their strengths and helping them build on that. I know a lot of times people go, oh, well, you know, what are they weakest at, and that's what we have to grow. And yeah, we have to grow that, but not at the cost of their strengths, because now, again, that regression to the mean, right? So now in things that they can grow and build up on, they're not building upon that because they're super focused on the things that they're not as strong in. Hmm. One of the other things in regards to what you're talking about is I think if parents understood that parenting is an infinite game, and not a finite game. And here's what I mean by that. When you play parenting as a finite game, then every single little decision that you make, you feel it's going to be pass or fail. Mm. And so now the kid now incorporates that into their day-to-day life. But if you play a finite game, then you know that if you've made more more healthy or healthier decisions than some of those negative ones, then there's a higher probability that your child is going to be healthy. And so letting them create their own self-esteem letting them grow their own self-worth through knowing that this is an infinite game
0: and i think that we as parents believe the scary story so we you know we look at something and that oh they failed whatever and we start to imagine their futures of them (laughs) not doing well in kindergarten (laughs) right yeah we 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 have to realize that you know it's an ongoing process and that we are going to make mistakes because we're not perfect people right um, but we can recover from those things and our kids are resilient and and can recover from them and just because they you know didn't get the you know perfect attendance reward in kindergarten or whatever right you know does not mean that they're not gonna go to college or yeah (laughs) you know things like that
1: you know it's interesting I was just talking with uh, someone I'm working uh, with a student at a school during the day and uh, she, um, she was talking about how she kind of graduated in the middle of her class. And she was kind of overlooked. Um, you know, so there's a lot of focus on the top, top students, on the bottom, bottom students, but kind of the kids in the middle are just kind of overlooked. Uh, but she is now working on getting her, her, she's about to wrap up and get her PhD. Um, and, but someone, she said, that was in her, in her class was a top 10 student uh, flunked out of college. You know, uh, but how, you know, her her going through and her perseverance, uh, she was able to get through it. And, and someone who you would have thought, you know, oh, clearly the people at the top are going to, you know, go on to do these types of things. And someone yeah. in the middle, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. But she ended up, she's getting her doctorate now, you yeah. know. And so uh, just seeing how going through um someone who you may have thought as being of she just she just she played and she's she's in her 50s now uh, but, but she's getting it you know right. um and so that was just you know she was just encouraging us just to say you know don't necessarily count out people that you may overlook because right. they're the ones that may end up rising to you know you know a lot of times some of the some of the, the wealthiest people in the world are not the the smartest people in the world right you know so It's an interesting observation that I've seen.
2: Yeah, and uh, 100% agree. And and I've seen that in my life. Um, You know, growing up, I grew up in, in National City in California, which is predominantly Hispanic. Um, you know, uh, residents that live there. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was normal to finish school and, and go into a trade, which there's nothing wrong with a trade, yeah. right? Um, but I remember talking to my school counselor and her saying, oh, you know, well, you know, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to be a psychologist. That's what I want to do. You know, and her saying, well, you know, let's look at something a little bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. You Ugh. know, maybe, maybe an electrician, you know, maybe a plumber. Oh. Um, now, to her defense, I do have ADD. Back then I had ADHD. But as you get older, the age drops. And so, you know, the hyperactivity, it was prime time for me in high school. So I kind of, you know, I'll give her a little bit of grace. It was prime time. Um, But it wasn't until I, you know, came up against myself and said, okay, well, what is it that I want to do? So I also played baseball growing up. And that's another thing that I think athletes a lot of times get um, not overlooked necessarily, but there is kind of a blind eye turned because if you're good, you know, then the teachers just kind of, they help oh, yeah. you out, right? Yeah. And so, and that was with me. And so when I got hurt and I can no longer play baseball, then it was like, okay, I, I've got to do this. Like, I've mm. got to do it for me. And that's when- You didn't have a changed. free pass anymore? Nope. Not anymore.
1: Exactly. Wow. You know, I'm just it just has me thinking about how you know sometimes uh, lowering the bar can you know how does that impact someone's ability to to overcome if the expectations are lowered for you uh, by either your parents or lowered for you by society
2: yeah.
1: or even lowered or even lowered by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy as far as you know, what we believe that we can achieve. Yeah. I know this isn't off. i I'm, here we go with my off the script question, <laughs> but how, how does, how do lowered expectations feed into failure?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to, I actually, my my good friend Stacy Hayhurst, I asked her if I could use um, a story that her and I had talked about as an example, and this kind of plays right into what you're Mm -hmm. talking about. And so her son is graduating high school, and he's about to go to college. Um, And my wife, Amanda, her and I sat down, and we were just kind of having a conversation, catching up, and she was telling us, she said, you know, I told my son, hey, um, you know, now that you're not playing football. Right. You chose not to play this this season or it was over. Um, So now your job is you have to get a job and you have to finish school. And so she said, you know, the first weekend he didn't know if like I was serious or not. But when his truck didn't have gas and when he didn't have money in his pocket to go with his friends to the movies, you know, that really that failure right there for him to have to stay home and kind of bear that Mm -hmm. like that really helped him go, Okay, I'm going to go get me a job. Right. I'm going to go and do this so I can have that in my pocket To be able to move forward, and so it's little things like that that it's more of a character that you're trying to build, right? Because if you build a character of grit, it doesn't matter what's in front of somebody; Mm -hmm. they're gonna overcome. And the way that we're designed is we're gonna adapt. And so if we're being taught to not work hard and we're being taught to get a trophy for doing nothing, we're gonna adapt to that. Yeah. You know, if we're challenged and we're grown and we're watered and we're nourished. And then we're going to grow in that way. We're going to adapt to that and we're going to want to move forward.
0: Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned a word that's one of my favorite new words, grit mm-hmm. uh, and growth mindset. Tell us what growth
2: mindset is. So growth mindset is just knowing um, that the other term that I like with that is um, emotional agility. Mm -hmm. Right. And so here's what emotional agility means. It knows that or we know that there's a level of differentiation. So there's a little bit of space between, let's say, our failure or our success and us. And so that doesn't define us. That's a work that's been done. And so a growth mindset is somebody that has the ability to change and to maneuver and to adapt to what's going on a fixed mindset it's somebody that is just kind of really stuck in their ways they can't really move forward and you see that with some kids um, I mean you see it really young some kids just like a pattern they like a routine um, and so helping them move past that helping them have you know some freedom within the limits is really good for them again that's safety right Mm -hmm. so we're going to create some change we're going to create maybe um, a little bit of a different schedule and then let's work through it um, and really talking to the kids. I think one of the things that we do a lot as parents is we, we talk to them, not talk with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to talk with them to be able for them to then internalize that and say, okay, so here's the things that I have to do to be able to move forward.
1: Um, this has been thinking about when I had uh, students in the classroom and they finally hit that wall where maybe they were an all-A student. And then they started dipping into the bee realm, and I would see the parents swoop in and say, uh, my child does not get bees." And I'm kind of like, "Well, yeah, they do <laughs> 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 because you know because, I mean it's like this is, this is like how could this how could this how could my child it was almost like an indictment against me like what what did you do to?" allow this to happen right. and and so you know i have to kind of lay out what's what's been happening in the class and then they get a better understanding of what's what it, the way it's been uh also or another point is sometimes students would get to a point where they were only they ha- all their successes were based upon their natural talent right and they didn't need to develop any skill they didn't need to invest time studying yeah so a lot of even a lot of my you know private clients are because the, their children um, came from this environment. Now their grades are starting to slip, and so now it's like, okay, we have to show you skills beyond mm-hmm. just showing up and you having it in your head instantly. You have to actually now apply yourself. You know, right. uh, so I've seen this. I've seen it. You know, both ways. I've seen it where you know standards have been lowered, but also you know parents are like, how could this be? Um, so can, can you talk to us uh, just kind of about that and how how that could hinder. Uh, children's ability to to grow and have success.
2: Well, in in that situation, I think the first conversation with the parent has to be with the kid, not with the teacher, right? Yeah. And really leaning into that kid and having that, whether it's, you know, a teenager or if it's an elementary school kid to, to kind of figure out what's going on. One of the things that I really encourage parents to look at is what I call red flags, right? So if there's a deviation of character, there's a deviation of temperament, you know, there's a deviation in the grades Then okay, what is going on? You know? yeah and so talking to to, the, to their child and, and trying to figure out what's going on and a lot of times it's not even this the, the actual class itself it's you know peer pressure or it's mm-hmm. social pressure or it's other things going on sometimes you know it's a parent's not putting the boundaries in place and saying hey by nine you know you got to be off your phone or you have to be in bed that that then is hindering their time to actually study and understand right. the subjects
1: yeah um I've, I've seen students who didn't meet their potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I just went to uh, an, the eighth grade graduation of a group of kids that I had a couple years ago and had yeah. a girl she was very bright in there, but she was just trying to she was trying to fit into the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last night she got the All A award. You know, and so she finally realized. I had other girls who, you know, were just clowning and yeah. trying to fit in. And now uh-huh. uh, got an award in mathematics. And th- if you had seen this girl two years ago in my class, she was like queen clown, you know. <laughs> and so it's just it's just amazing how you know as they realize to your point of owning, owning up to what can I do, yeah. uh, kind of uh silencing the noise around them you know one girl she said you know my friends i used to hang out with i stopped hanging out with them they were pulling me down and i just got serious and so that just brought so much joy to me to see these kids meet meet their potential um of what they could be you know by by moving up so yeah
2: and i think what you bring up that potential i think as a parent we have to be realistic with that potential and Mm -hmm. helping you know the the child reach their potential and maybe even challenging challenging them to get a little bit further but again we have to take off that this is my child and I know this is their potential we have to really look at the child you know for for where where they're at and their emotional maturity because um, we we see a difference um, today with the biological age and the emotional age mm-hmm. and so you know we see these 15 and 17 and 25 and 35 year olds that you know their emotional ages of a 13 14 Fifteen, right? mm. and, oh and so if we see that, then we know that that potential is different than somebody that has their emotional age. You know, that's coherent, right? Yeah, like thirty-five and thirty-five, and so, but that doesn't mean that they can't grow. It doesn't mean that that emotional gap can't can be closed to really help them reach their full potential.
1: Yeah.
0: So let's just take a quick break right now um, to say that if you have any questions. Or comments, please give us a call at 214-431-5062. We're talking to Jorge Gamma from Mending Clinic about helping your child fail well. So, Jorge, can you explain what the iceberg analogy is and how it would help in... um helping our kids fail well.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think we want to focus on the bottom part. So the iceberg analogy is you have an iceberg and then there's a water and then what you see is up here, but what's really going on is down here. And so I think looking at, at our kids and seeing not necessarily what people want to see, mm-hmm. but what is it that we're cultivating or growing under the surface mm. is what's important. Because we, we want to raise good adults right we want to great raise great adults we don't want to raise great kids and so when we when we look at that process and if we're looking at oh my kid and my kid and my kid and my kid that's great but we really want to give them the skill set we want to give them the ability to be great adults to be productive adults as they get older and so if we focus on just the surface part and what people are seeing or what we're seeing then that doesn't really give us an accurate um, reading of of our child and it doesn't give them an accurate chance to really grow to their full potential and so we really have to look under the surface and see what's cultivating what's growing and what's not and we have to invest in in growing that
0: right and we as parents are called to plant seeds and water the seeds yes um and so there's there's so much that's happening that's behind the scenes or under the water as you would say yeah. uh, another way i i like to look at the iceberg analogy is um we see people that have success um but there's a lot that happened before that. There's a mm-hmm. lot that came, uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of determination, a lot of long hours and things like that, that um, that built up, built that person up to be successful. Right. And that sometimes we just. We live in this Facebook, face, Facebook, (laughs) Facebook, (laughs) Instagram, Twitter world where we see all the pretty pictures and we see all the successes and all the awards and stuff like that. But what we don't see is what came before that, and the reason why we can see the pretty pictures and things like that. So that's something that um, I try to instill in our kids is to understand that. It's not instant with, you know, this instant society that we live in. It's not, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into what we see.
2: When going back to like electronics um, and social media, I'm not saying that they're a bad thing. They just have to be limited because when you have a screen in front of you it doesn't help you develop neuronal networks that help you understand social cues that help you understand like social rules that help you understand how to talk to somebody in an interview to look at them in the eyes those they don't get developed Um, partly is because you're inside or you're away from people so you don't have that practice Mm -hmm. the other part is that in our brain it doesn't get developed and so being in front of people and talking to them and being able to connect helps our brain actually develop Mm
1: -hmm. that's good so uh, what effect um um has students not coping well with failure had on mental health
2: um i think looking at mental health um It goes back to the shame and the guilt, right? And so when kids don't cope well with failure, they tend to internalize that. Um, And so I'm going to go back to like even, you know, uh, adolescents and, you know, even infants. I have a two and a half year old that's going to be three in July. And he had his end of the year program and so he during the Christmas he was up there he was you know kind of quiet and reserved and he was off to the side um, but this time when he was going he's a really good negotiator he's like hey dad hey mom can we go get some ice cream and sushi and like not go you know to the show and we're like sorry bud we gotta go and so he's sitting there and he goes well what about just ice cream can we just go get some ice cream and not go to the show well you know one of the things that we noticed we just asked him like so he's, he's two and a half going to be three. like uh-huh. bud are you a little nervous and he's like yeah are you scared to be up there and he's like Mm -hmm. yeah and so he said you know what bud we believe in you we know that you can do this um you know you are courageous you can do this and so he went up there he did fine well after we went to go get ice cream to reward him and we were sitting down and he said daddy are you proud of me And, you know, I mean, he's almost three. And so I'm like, yes, son, I am. You know, and then he asked my wife, mom, are you proud of me? He's like, yeah. And he says, I was courageous. Wow. And so we're talking about speaking since they're little kids, speaking this into them to help them understand that, hey, you know what? If last time it wasn't great, it's okay. This is a process. We're going to continue to move forward. And so when we have, again, back to that infinite mindset to the finite right mm-hmm. yeah and so if if we teach our children to think in finite ways then they're gonna think anytime that they fail that it's a personal attack on them mm. right and that then creates depression or creates anxiety or it creates a feeling of hopelessness or helplessness
0: yeah did you have a follow-up to that Cause it, we had a question on facebook okay oh, okay when children oh, it went away <laughs> when children fail and we want them to fail in a safe place how can we as parents punish bad behavior and help mold our ch- i'm sorry it keeps going away help, mo- help mold our children in a productive way
2: yeah so that's definitely an age related question mm-hmm. right and so the younger they are the more explaining that you have to do and even when they get older you have to do more explaining but it's making those connections right and the connections have to be like the punishment has to fit the crime and so when you look at it you know at a, at a young child let's say you know from 3 and above from 3 to let's look at maybe 5 or 6 right we want to make sure that the punishment isn't so long that they don't understand it's a punishment right, right. so now mm-hmm. i'm they just going to sit what on what they the did ju- at this point exactly right <laughs> But that, that holds true through life, right? It holds through till you're getting older. And so, you know, if if your son or daughter are, you know, they have a curfew of 10 o'clock, right? And they get home at 10.15, well now they owe you 15 minutes mm. so the curfew mm. tomorrow is nine forty-five. oh that's mm. good right so the punishment has to fit the crime uh-huh. and that's at every age level the other thing that's important about that is we have to understand that we're we are our children's authority figures but not forever and mm. so when they're about 13 or 14 we more want to be consultants in their lives and here's what i mean by that so social pressure is real right kids are going to influence our kids um No matter how much we try to keep them away. And so understanding that what we're trying to do is raise them to the point where they can think on their own and they can internalize those thoughts and understand that, hey, just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean I'm wrong. Right. Because there's that pressure. And so when about 13 or 14, if you can more be alongside them by that point, they should have probably about 90 percent of the ability, uh, 90 percent to be able to make any decisions in their life. Oh, wow. By 13, probably 13 or 14. Yes. So Mm. right around 11, we look at the abstract thinking. So from there on, we're just shaping. We're just continuously, Mm. continuously shaping and helping them continue to move forward. Right. So as parents, that's what we want to shoot for. So since they're little, we want to look at when they're teenagers and when they're adults, and we want to start shaping them as they get as they get older.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, Some of the um, pressure that kids can feel sometimes, especially academically, can come from parents. Um, What's that fine balance between helping our children to to do what we know they can do, Mm -hmm. but then letting them also to fail at times and and suffer the real consequence of the choices that they've made. You know, sometimes we want to, protect them from some things but sometimes you know so what what's the balance between those
2: yeah so and again this is like all age dependent Mm -hmm, right right so we'll start when they're you know when they're little so when they're littles you know if they don't do their homework or they have a tantrum then it's saying hey you know johnny if you don't do this then you're not going to be able to go to the school field trip or whatever it is right if you don't get whatever it is you're going to get and then it's reminding them right like helping them understand like okay so why are you not going well, because I didn't do this. right? right? Mm-hmm. So it isn't because mama said I couldn't or because dad said I couldn't or, you know, it's because I didn't do this. Own it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to own that. Mm-hmm. Now, as they get older, you know, it goes back to telling them what the expectations are because teenagers should know their parents like a book. And they really do because they know how to manipulate. They know what to say. They know mm-hmm. what not to they say. They know when to say it. Right? And they know when to throw the bomb and just sit back and be like, oh, watch. Mom and dad are going to go at it. <laughs> and then I'm going to get my way. It's going to be all good. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so it's really, really important for parents to stay on the same team. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very important. And so, again, they have to know the parents like a book. Right. So if I do A, my parents are going to do B and then I'm going to get C. Like I know that already. So the kids Mm -hmm. have to have that ingrained in their mind. If they don't, then those repercussions are not going to help them grow. Hmm. They're just going to be kind of out floundering and they're going to go, oh, well, maybe we'll get this or maybe we'll get that. No, kids have to know exactly what's going to happen if they do whatever they're going to do.
0: And they can only know that from consistency. From yes. going through with what you say you're going to do, yeah. which can be hard because we get tired, <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes lazy, yeah. and and sometimes just feel guilty because we just want the kid to go on the field trip. <laughs> we're like, oh, it was to the natural museum of science, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. But we've got to be consistent. That's a great point that they should know for sure. I do this, and I'm going to get this by the time they're teenagers. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So I don't, even my 11 year old he'll say something like but i know what you're going to say dad (laughs) good (laughs) right that's right because you 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 know me you know we've been here before right right yeah that's exactly right yeah
0: we have another facebook question what are practical methods to help a child learn that it is okay to fail specifically on tests and evaluations
2: that's really good um i think and again it's all age appropriate right but Mm -hmm. i think talking to the child and you'll be surprised um how many kids if you say you know did you try your hardest you know and just asking them like so tell me about you know what happened like so you got a c or you got a d Tell me what's going on. So just really leaning into them and trying to figure out their world. One of the things that happens, I think, nowadays more than ever is kids will isolate. They'll move into, you know, they'll be in their bedroom and they'll be away from people. And so when you go in there and you say, hey, you know, I've noticed that you've been in your room more often than normal. I just want you to know that I'm here. Their brain then says, oh, okay, so they're paying attention, so yeah. they must care. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with the grades. You know, if they fail, it's really talking to them and saying, okay, you know, what's what's going on? Did you, did you not study? You know, did, did w- what happened? If they say, no, I studied, you know, a lot and, you know, I put the time in, then maybe we have to look at some help. Maybe there's something else that that kid, maybe they need a contact Noggin and get educational a, coaching. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe, yeah. I mean, you know, shameless it's, plug right there. Yeah. But it's, it's true. You know, it's really looking at the their child and again it isn't you know one of the things that i hear a lot is oh man if i go to the doctor they're gonna tell me something's wrong right mm-hmm. well if you know what's wrong at least you know what you're working with so if they have dyslexia or they have adhd or you know there's some kind of cognitive processing you know dysfunction that's going on then we need to get them some help mm-hmm. um, but again it's really leaning into them and asking them you know how so you know do you feel like you studied you know as as much as you should have I mean, you will be surprised at how often kids are pretty honest about it and they'll say, no, you know, I didn't. Okay, well, let's work on that. So, again, it's working on the character, right? Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, if there's any repercussions, it doesn't mean they go away. Like, oh, just because you understood that you did wrong doesn't mean that the repercussions go away. Right. You still have to, you know, pay for the crime. Right, percent. right.
1: Um, I know in schools a lot of times when students fail, you know, this is a newer phenomenon is, you know, if you get below 70 that you make corrections. That you make. You can make right. corrections up to, a, no, up to a seventy, um, so the kids can, can pass. Where back in the day, you just y- got it. You failed, and it, it was what it was. That was it. Um, there's something to. I think there is something to that. I think it it's it's good, in the sense, is it doesn't let kids just just not be held accountable for what they did. Uh, One other level though um, is what I would do, and this was something, um, shout out to to Matt Brown and Donna Shepherd. He was really big on not just the kids who got below 70 but anyone who got anything less than 100 because what happens is is when students uh, get problems wrong, let's say they get three problems wrong on a test, well let's say you take four tests in a semester that's 12 concepts now that they have not really mastered. So now the mentality is, well, if I you know, pass, and I don't, I don't need to grow anymore, I don't need to get better, I don't need to find out what my mistakes are. And so I was really big on um, making sure that everyone make, make corrections to their mistakes so they can see where their weaknesses were. Because right. if they don't, then they'll make those same mistakes again on the semester exam or on the state mm-hmm. exams. As well. So, what, what what are your thoughts on that?
2: So, and this kind of goes back to the question that that somebody asked on Facebook um, is: so this is focusing on the process, not yeah. the outcome, right? Right. And so, when we focus on the outcome, the thought process is: it doesn't matter how I get it; it doesn't matter what I do or don't do, as long as I get that grade, then that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Now, if we focus on the process, if we focus on the kids understanding the concepts, if we focus on them really learning and making them a part of their mindset, the outcome is going to happen. Right. So as long as you focus on the process, you get the outcome
1: that you want. process is more important than the outcome. Yeah.
2: And it sounds like that's what the gentleman at, at Donald Shepard um, is doing is he's saying, hey, let's make sure that you understand these concepts. Mm-hmm. right? Let's make sure that you get the practice or you get what you need. That way the outcome of you understanding the concepts is going to be done. So we focus on the process. We focus on the work. We focus on the practice. And then you'll get the outcome.
1: Yeah. And my kids, they are so mad at me. But I passed. Well. <laughs> okay you pass <laughs> you still got some problems wrong and we're, <laughs> g- we're going to fix it you know uh, but it was and, and it and it raised overall um, outcomes later on um, during during the school year as a result of everyone not just those that were failing Right. And everyone knew that they had to make corrections as well, and I was thorough. I said, "You have, you have to break it down. Don't just don't just say it because like, why did you get it wrong? Because I didn't get it right." <laughs> well, we I know that. <laughs> but yeah. Really, really think through it, and I had to, to make them to think about it, you know, yeah. which was good because sometimes they never thought about it before, mm-hmm. you know. So it was a, you know that that was very interesting. This that was an evolution in in how we worked with corrections and fixing things that we've made wrong in the past
2: yeah it's focusing on that process right? it's saying hey you know you have a math problem and you have some kids that are really smart right and they can just look at it and put Mm -hmm. it down and you say no we want to see the process Mm -hmm. well it isn't just to be you know a pain in their neck but it's to know the process and if you think about that that's really a life lesson oh yeah it's really looking at the process of life it goes back to the infinite versus finite right right if we know it's a process and it's an infinite game and we know that stuff's going to happen but we can you know continue to move forward
1: yeah
0: well in like our last minute can you just tell us what are some of the mistakes that we make as parents that keep our kids from failing well
2: yeah, I, I think it's, um, I mean, obviously controlling, we talk about the helicopter parent. Um, you know, I think it's in those times not taking the opportunity to process it with kids, mm. right? And so if they're in a sport or, you know, whatever it is, if they're, you know, watching TV, I mean, it's really kind of understanding that thought process. And so if they fail with friends or if they act out, it's really sitting down and talking to them. And sometimes that's giving enough space for the tantrum or the tears or the emotional emotional to decrease and then coming back and talking about it because i think a lot of times what happens because we're tired because we got a lot going on Mm -hmm. we're like okay crisis averted you know i told them what i wanted them to hear so i'm going to go ahead and walk away but when a kid you know is crying they literally cannot manage their emotions Mm -hmm. so they can't cognitively understand whatever lesson you're trying to teach them so coming back later and saying okay so let's talk about this You know, what's going on? And again, it's that thought process, right? Yeah. So the theme is the process. It's really focusing on that process. Okay, how can we do that different next time? And it's helping them and letting them, you know, if they fail again, letting them fail again and coming back and saying, okay, so we talked about this last time. What can we do different this time?
0: I love that you said that because I found something. It's called the pocket problem solver method. Have mm-hmm. you heard of that? I have not. So it's so it's super cute. It's really for younger kids. But what you do is you use your five fingers to help you. And you hold up your thumb. And your thumb represents what was the problem. And then the next three fingers are what three things could I have done differently? Mm-hmm. And then your pinky is what are you going to do next time? Mm-hmm. So that's just a, a nice practical way for some it of the is. younger kids to just think through the process and what we're trying to do is build what you were saying those uh, pathways in their brain so that they can start to make these decisions on their own and you know kind of see cause and effect and things like that mm-hmm. so when we solve the problem for our kids which sometimes is just easier <laughs> and <laughs> faster we don't allow them to make those connections right
1: so yeah I'm gonna use that in our marriage babe what? The, the
0: problem solving, hi- mm-hmm. the the problem solver method,
1: oh pocket yeah. problem solver. Oh yeah! Next yeah. time we have a district game, I was gonna put up my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> what was the problem? That's right.
0: Then your next three thing- three fingers are, yeah. What could you have done differently? Mm-hmm. You, I'm saying you, not oh, me. me. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, me! Cause I'm, I'm, I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And excuse. then your pinky is. What are you gonna do next time, Dave? <laughs>
2: right. 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 <laughs> well, uh, I was just going to say, you know, um, so I think when you when you solve your kids problems and you're doing them a disservice. Yeah. You know, and, and it's completely taking them away, the ability to succeed. And when you do solve the problem for them, the message that you're giving them is you're right. You can't do this. You got to let me mm, do it. That's so good. Mm. And so those are kind of those subliminal or those, you know, more as caught than taught. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to do this for you. And so there's already like an internal Uh, uncertainty in kiddos Mm -hmm. and so when they say oh i can't do this or when they when you go in and you save it or fix it for them then you're like you know what son you know what daughter you're right you can't do it Mm -hmm. let me go ahead and do it for you oh Mm -hmm.
1: oh
0: man i wish we had another 30 minutes or so to just talk about that <laughs> yeah, yeah, <you laughs> uh, drop that bomb. I, I know right <laughs> Wow well so unfortunately we are out of time but thank you Jorge You're so welcome. much for joining us this was awesome um, as always right now we want to tell you what's going on with Noggin so what's going on with Noggin educational coaching Dave
1: so in light of the fact that we're getting through the end of the school year um, and we are done uh, with the with the grade books this is a great opportunity to learn from uh... what happened this past school year learning from those mistakes so noggin this is a great opportunity to begin to think about how can we go back and plug in and fix some of those areas of our lives academically that our children are struggling with uh... because they're not going to go away just because the new year begins so we want to plug in those gaps we want to help your child to discover what well, those areas that I need to get better at and stronger at so that when they come back until the school year in the fall, that they'll be ready. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, you can email me at david at noggineducation.com. And also you can um, reach us at 682-422-6855. You can also go to our website, noggineducation.com.
0: And the other thing is that we're looking for a School Dazed Radio Show intern. Mm-hmm. So if you know any awesome 15 to 21-year-old um, students in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex that would love to hang out with us on Tuesdays and also come to our office and do some planning for the shows, we would love for to hear from you guys. So go to schooldazedshow.com and click on Summer Internship. So what's happening next week?
1: So next week... We welcome Andre Fields from Cedar Hill ISD. Uh, She has over 40 years of experience in education and will share with us about the state of public education.
0: Well, great, we're looking forward to that. So as always, head to our website, schooldayshow.com for more information. And remember, you do not ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and really any place that you listen to your favorite podcast. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. And every week we share information about School Day's show. We share information about parenting as it relates to education. And so you don't want to miss any of those posts. And the last thing we always want to tell you to head to our website, Um, schooldayshow.com. And the last thing is that uh, David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you want to know more about that, email us at info at schooldayshow.com. Have a great week. School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.